When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Terrio Media. So you want to be a real estate investor, but you don't want to do the work. If there were only a way where someone else could do it for you, now there is. Tune in here each and every Saturday on the Epic Real Estate Investing Show for Turnkey Saturdays with your host, Mercedes Torres. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, let me introduce to you an awesome individual, young gentleman that happens to serve the county of Los Angeles as a police officer. Welcome to the show, Mr. Justin W. Welcome. Hello. Awesome, Justin. Thank you so much for joining us. And, you know, we're going to cut to the chase. And why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about who you are? My name is Justin. I grew up in the county of Riverside and lived in Los Angeles for probably about the last 12 years. I uh, came interested in, in passive income in college with a professor who actually, a business professor who suggested to the class that we read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And then I started doing a little more research after college and a buddy and I, buddy and I kind of looked into it together and and uh, started listening to podcasts and reading books, etc. I've worked as a police officer the last seven years, and yeah, seven going on eight years, and uh, that's pretty much it. On my off time, I'm working on trying to be able to retire early. Awesome, awesome. You know, Justin, I've said for a very, very long time, you by far were the youngest cash flow savvy real estate investor. Uh, I know you have acquired three properties. You are now working on number four. But up until last year, you were our youngest client. So that I don't know if you knew, but kudos to you. Very good. You know, uh, interesting, you said that, um, you know, you uh, were uh, kind of forced to read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I often wonder, you know, what if we substituted in our school system, a classic like The Catcher in the Rye for Rich Dad, Poor Dad? What kind of an impact would that have on our young society? There's a lot of things in our school system that we could substitute. I love the memes that talk about how you know, they, they teach you how to, they teach you about parallelograms and they teach you about math and all this other stuff that most of it you don't use in the real life. But yet things like taxes or balancing your checkbook, they don't even talk about. I know. I absolutely agree with that. And that's a whole other podcast. I'm sure we can discuss that. Oh, yeah. but, uh, uh, you know, as Matt and I always say, we are so grateful that we found that book. So, um, you know, for those yeah. who have not read it, it's, it's a absolute read. It's funny. It's not even a, it's not even that the book is all that specific. It just is a paradigm shift. It, it teaches you a whole new outlook. It doesn't really teach you necessarily too much specifics on what to do. You still really have to figure it out. But his book is great in that it motivates you and, and kind of just changes your viewpoints on things. Yeah, absolutely agreed. Absolutely agreed. So uh, after you read the book, how did you discover cash flow savvy and epic real estate? 
Actually, one of my my college roommate was uh, listening to the podcast, and he's always he's always kind of been. I don't know how he came across it, but he's always been kind of interested in uh, real estate and investing and, and businesses and and etc. And uh, he suggested the real estate and, or the uh, excuse me the podcast to me, and so I started listening on my commute to work and uh, podcast here, podcast there, and uh, that's. That's kind of how I was turned on to it by him. Awesome. Awesome. So if you don't mind me asking, Justin, how old are you now? I'm 32. I'll be 33 next month. And how old were you when you first got started in real estate investing? I think I was, when I bought my first property with you guys, I was 28 or 29. Awesome. I think I was 29. Awesome. Awesome. Well, very good. So to this point, um, how many properties have you acquired with Cashflow Savvy? I've acquired three and I am working, I'm in escrow on my fourth. Yeah, you're actually in escrow and I'll have you talk a little bit about the process, but tell me about your first property. Do you remember? I'm sure you remember specifics. So do you mind sharing specifics about that property and what it's done for you? Yeah. Um, my first property was a duplex in, in a suburb outside of uh, Cleveland, Ohio. And uh, I mean, the 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 economy was a little different back then the market was a little different back then the property that i that i acquired there i bought outright and uh and i paid about fifty thousand dollars and it's a it's a duplex that each each uh each level has been the rental income's been a little over 500 each month and uh been a, I mean, it's been a great property. There's been ups and downs, obviously, along the way, and problems, and just like with everything, but but it's uh, still cash flowing strong. Awesome. So I would imagine that that's one of the ups that it's been cash flowing strong. Do you mind sharing uh, what that return is at the end of the year, since you've had it for several years? Uh, yeah, the, I don't I don't know the exact percentage, but I uh, after everything. The property taxes are a little bit higher on that property, but after everything, I probably bring in, I would say like at least 7000 after paying everything, at least $7,000 a year on that seven to eight. Well, Justin, that's not a bad payday for your first rental. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So that's part of the ups. Yeah, yeah. So share with me, uh, you know, part of the down. You said there have been ups and downs. I like to keep it very real um, with just not only our listeners, but just our clients with real estate. There are up and ups and downs. Um, so the up yeah, has with- been, it has been an amazing run because I, I hear very little complaints about that. Share a down with me. With uh, investing, just there's always going to be downs. With real estate, there's always going to be downs. There's always going to be problems that come up. Um, whether it's you know something need you know there's a leak or a water pipe that breaks or whatever. Uh, but but a great example of a down for that property would be my interaction with the city. Um, the city is a smaller suburb outside of of Cleveland, and they have been pretty. St- they're pretty strict. They have all kinds of, they're not quite, they're not an HOA, but they have rules similar to an HOA. They're very strict about your, the upkeep of your property, the upkeep of your house, et cetera. And so I've gone back and forth with them over several different things and nothing's, nothing has been 
awful except for <laughs> experience got a little rough we uh right after the winter one year there was a there was a tree that was on my property that a, a couple branches had fallen up broken and fallen off the tree and uh, the city sent a notice to they sent it to me here in California and I think they also sent it to the property saying that the um, that the, the branches and there were a couple fallen branches on the property that needed to be cleared so I called my property manager and said, hey, we need to have a company come out and clear it and do I need to take care of that. And so they did. They hired a company. They came out. They cleared all of the branches that they thought were on the property. What the property manager didn't realize was where the exactly where the property line was. And I guess from where they were, it was they thought that part of my property was actually part of the neighbor's property. And so they missed, they missed one large branch. The city sent another notice and I called the city and said, the inspector and said, Hey, I took care of this. And they said, okay, yeah, if you took care of it, don't worry about it. It won't be, you know, it'll, it'll go away. And sure enough, I got another notice and I called them and I said, Hey, I took care of this. And they said, yeah, if you took care of it, it'll go away. And then I got a notice saying that they were going to issue a warrant for my arrest for <laughs> failing to follow up with this municipal code and or for violating this municipal code. And so I called the inspector again. And I said, "Look, I need to know specifically what's going on, because I'm you, I'm not gonna I'm in California, you, you know, and plus I'm a police officer. You can't have I can't have a warrant out for my arrest." And it turns out that there was a branch that was on my property line, exactly on just barely on it that would had fallen that my property manager had you know didn't understand was on my property line, and so the city was was trying to trying to arrest me over a tree branch. And it was a <laughs> Finally, we got it taken care of, but it was a little bit of a headache. I get it. I get it. You know, um, in Cleveland, they do have something called a point of sale. Uh, that is exactly what it is. So basically, as you said, it's an HOA, but it's run by the subsidiaries of the main city. So Although it's yeah. Cleveland, Cleveland has subsidiaries like Brooklyn Heights and Shaker Heights and Maple Heights and different subsidiaries that way. And each one is run by their own municipality, so to speak. So one has nothing to do with the other. And sometimes they do get a little anal, so to speak, you know. Uh, a tree yeah. branch, you know, one can argue that it can be, you know, potentially uh, a hazard. But the reality is issuing you a warrant for the arrest would be a little bit silly. They just want you to take care of it. So um, yeah. so glad you got that taken care of. In the interim, Justin, what was the interaction with property manager? Was our property management team helping you? Were they, you know, collaborating with the city? What, what was that experience like? Yeah, the property management team that I have for that property has been nothing but helpful. I've had a, you, and they've the actual property manager, the, not the owner of the company, but the property manager that I've been working with has changed changed people a couple different times. But they've all been it's been a great experience with that company. They've been nothing but helpful, and they were they were working as hard as they could to to. Uh, you know, inter to work with the city and figure out what was going on, especially the the current property manager. She actually used to work in in probation for the their local probation department. So she kind of understood my my problem, my plight, and was 
was uh, working to figure it out. And I mean, we got it all resolved. It just was kind of a, a miscommunication. The the, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the point of sale inspector that I was dealing with, I, I, I mean, obviously I've never met him, but I kind of just picture this old crotchety, like should be retired you know, man <laughs> in his like seventies who's got nothing better to do, but, but enforce this little finite thing, the way this little <laughs> finite municipal municipal rule, the way he deems it should be. I'm willing to bet just in your description is probably 99% accurate. So uh, I feel oh, like yeah. I'm I mean, on the same page. Awesome. So that was property number one. And then we acquired property number two and three. So tell me, even after that experience, what made you confident to jump into property number two? I don't even know that I would say it's confidence. It's more just in order to increase my passive income, the the best way for me to do that is to do, to diversify the properties that I have. So the, the more properties I have, the less the less risk I'm going to have because that risk is, is spread across all those properties. So just the more more you acquire, the the easier. I mean, the, it's going to be more stressful, obviously, because it's going to demand more of your time and you're going to have more things come up. But the less... but any of that cost and the risk will be spread across all of those properties. Right. You're absolutely right. So that's going to kind of what contributed to property, the acquisition of property number two and three. And now we're working on number four and you are actually actively in escrow during your due diligence period. Am I correct? Yes, ma'am. Fantastic. Now, um, when you go through the cash flow savvy prop, uh, when you go through the cash flow savvy process, you get assigned a personal transaction coordinator to kind of walk you through the whole process, hold your hand, answer questions, and do all the back work that is done that is necessary to bring this investment to fruition for our investors. What's that experience been like for you, Justin? It's gone really well. Uh, you and your team are definitely far more organized than I am. And <laughs> which is helpful because they, uh, they can help facilitate the uh, the whole transaction and make it go pretty well. Yeah, well, your job is to combat the bad guys. Our job is to make your life easier. So <laughs> a little bit of a difference there in what we do for a living here, Justin. <laughs> yeah. So uh, once you put the property under contract, what happened? You chose a property after you've uh, uh, chosen a property through our you said, I want to move forward on this property. You got a contract with your due diligence period. And then what happened? With this property, there's going to be a loan. So you start the loan process with the bank, um, all the usual financial documents, and, and they're going to want to know the background. If you don't have a loan with them for the, that property, they're going to want to know the background for that property, whether you own it outright or who you have a loan with, etc. Um, then you're also going to start during the due diligence period. You're going to do any of your inspections. You're going to have, you know, get your photos. You can go do a walkthrough of the property if you want to, or if you're like me and have never been to that state, you can have somebody else do it. Um, so you know, tell me about that, contractor or whatever. Awesome. Tell me about that. So you are in Los Angeles. This property that you're buying mm-hmm. is in Ohio. Tell me, how are you doing your due diligence from you know, the comfort of your own home in California? Well, I, I could definitely book a flight, fly out there, drive out there, go look at the house, go look at the property, go do all of that. Um, but 
and and you know if this was if it was California and I was buying a house I would or like the house that I lived in obviously I'd went and I did all of that but with these houses I really to me they don't really matter specifically what they look like because I'm not living there it's just an investment and and I'm not I'm not a construction guy I'm not a I'm not a general contractor I'm not an inspector I don't have that background so it I I really would only be looking at it aesthetically i wouldn't know exactly what i'm looking at compared to having a contractor or an inspector or somebody with that experience and knowledge base to go walk through the property so really i i lean heavily on those people and and have to trust that i you know like the rec the recommendations that i get for people and usually the escrow companies are the are going to have or the um the people that you guys work with are going to have recommendations but i have to trust their their um you know, trust their knowledge base and, and use that really rely on them to look at the property and determine whether or not there's anything that, or it's going to be a good investment or not. Yeah. After all, you do hire a professional that gives you a full on inspection report. That's anywhere from 30 to 50 pages. So you do get a very detailed report despite the fact that you don't fly out to Cleveland to walk the property. yourself. Oh yeah. Awesome. If so I were to fly process, out there, walk through the property and write my own report, it would be like a page. <laughs> Half a page. <laughs> and this is why you hired the experts to do it for you. Awesome. Yeah. It, I mean, even when I bought my house in California, I was, because my the house I, I live in, I actually rent out the other rooms that, I bought a four bedroom house so that I could rent out the other three rooms and it for the most part covers my mortgage. And when I was looking at houses, I really didn't care what the house looked like. You know, obviously I wanted it to be in okay condition so that I didn't have to like remodel it or, you know, I didn't want it to have termites or holes in the walls or things like that. But I didn't care what it looked like. I didn't care the layout. I didn't care. I care where it was because I want I care about the resale value. I care about it having, you know, decent schools nearby and, and access to the freeway and things like that because of either the resale value or my commute. But really the actual specifics of the house, I, I don't plan on living in it forever. So I didn't care. And it's the same with all my investment properties. Yeah. You strictly just run the numbers and make sure the property is up to code, safe, and that the, the uh, amount of work that needs to be done to the property in the next couple of years, you kind of mitigate that with the uh, inspection report so that you know that's not going to be an extra expense for you in the future. That's smart. You're just yeah, looking exactly. at, yeah, you're just looking at the numbers and you're evaluating it as strictly an investment property. And I think that's, that's really a smart way to look at it. Um, you know, I don't think you're going to go bad. Uh, I don't think that that is going to go bad for you anytime simply because people are always going to need a roof over their head. So you've got the right idea. Awesome. So what would you say, Justin, has been the biggest challenge through this whole process? Probably for me, that would be organization skills. I am not an organized person, and so keeping track of keeping track of bills that are don't directly affect me because I'm not living in the house. Because you know, like in my duplex in Ohio, there's like the sewer bill I have to cover because it's not something that's split, so it's something that I cover out of the rent. And keeping track of it's just a whole new set of of things that I, I, it's kind of forcing me to become, to set up systems and, and use programs and, and reminders and, and things really make sure that I don't miss things. 
because I've had once or twice a couple late fees because I missed things and, and it's it's just kind of out of sight out of mind it's it's easy to walk into your house and you've got you know you the the utility bill sitting on the counter and you see you see the lights on in the house and it reminds you that you have to pay it but something that's out of state is if you don't if the bill doesn't come you're just i just don't think about it so it's really forced me to become more organized and, and set up ways to avoid problems that's interesting justin because our typical investor is a busy professional so you know they uh, implement Programs some people doing on just a standard Excel spreadsheet. Um, others just piggyback off the property management software system that their property management is using. What are you specifically using, if you don't mind sharing? Um, I like there's a uh, Quicken version for for small business home for small business investors that I like, um, and then I just use I set up alerts and reminders in my in my phone. Um, but, but I try to do all my paperwork on that. It makes it easier for tax season too. Awesome. Um, I'm not, I mean, I, I know how to use Excel, but I'm not real. I'm not a huge, huge fan of it. Yeah. Got it. I, I prefer something that's a little more user friendly. Cool. And so being that you're in California and now you're working on property number four, how do you get your rents? How do you receive that? Actually, it kind of depends depends on the property um what i've actually been working on right now is i'm setting up a separate account because i have i have been up until now i've been kind of intermingling all the funds into my personal bank account but i just set up and working on setting up a business account um for just for all my properties to be uh deposited in but anyway most of them are either direct deposit into my account or one of them they still send me checks and and uh, I kind of like when they send me the checks just because I, I can, um, it forces me to sit down and take a look at, at how much rent I got and how much and what was taken out and any, you know, any additional expenses I had or things that had to be you know, repaired in the, in the property. If it's just directly deposited in my account, it's kind of out of sight, out of mind, and I don't, I don't look at it as closely or as, not, not necessarily as closely, but just as often. Awesome. That's interesting that you say that, Justin. Most of my investors are, you know, technologically savvy. Not that you're not, but they prefer to have everything automatic or, you know, automated. Then I have those investors that actually still prefer a paper check because they can't see their property. They can't drive to it, but they can certainly hold a check known as mailbox money. So believe it or not, I still do have those old school investors that still want to get that paper check that they have to still deposit, you know, going to the bank or a lot of them probably take a picture of it. But you know, you're absolutely right, Justin, you have to figure out what's going to be the easiest way for you. And you're now starting to get to the point where four properties, that's a lot to keep track of now. So the fact that you're finally segregating it, um, that's awesome. That is absolutely awesome. And you're going to find that once it's segregated, it's going to be a little bit easier for you to keep tabs on. So kudos to you. Yeah. Four properties is, is the point where I kind of decided I've got to get more organized. I think I'm even going to go the extra step and go and buy a, buy a laptop that I only use for, for my investment properties and, and just almost treat it like it's a, I mean, it is its own business, its own 
just a separate entity, separate it from the rest of you know, my, my personal laptop that, that I use all the time, just kind of keep it separate and that'll keep the mindset that it is separate and pro and force me to be a little more, a little more organized with it. Got it. Got it. So tell me this, what is the biggest lesson that you've taken from this entire experience as you work on property number four? Besides, uh, don't mess with point of sale inspectors cause you'll get arrested. <laughs> I, would, <laughs> I would say, uh, I mean, it's definitely, it's, it's definitely that, that being at least somewhat organized is, is important. Or if you're not organized like me, just finding a way to help with that. Cause technology, we, we have so much technology available and, and, you know, there's computer programs and, and like virtual assistants and, and all kinds of different things that you can use to, to really help you stay on top of stuff because if you don't it's just it's literally just gonna cost you extra money you there's you miss deadlines and you'll be charged late fees or you'll <laughs> you'll be issued warrants or you'll you're just you're just gonna have more problems if you don't stay on top of it so yeah. not that it's a full-time job it's not i mean it's not like every day i'm sitting here slaving away over a computer but it literally takes a an, an extra couple hours every month it's not a it's not a huge time investment. It depends. It really depends on if things are going well or things are going, you know, poorly. I've been I've spent my day, and I've been in a court building waiting to testify, and I'm off in a corner talking to either a property manager or a city inspector or whoever it may be, trying to fix a, whatever problem that I have going on with that property. But it, it it's just you just adapt and it most of the time when things are going well, it, it doesn't take very much time. And as if you set up the, if you set up systems in place to keep things going well, it's just going to take less time. Well said, sir. Very well said. So what advice, Justin, would you give a new investor who's considering buying and holding properties or just considering a turnkey operation? What would you tell them? Well, if they're, I mean, if it's advice for the turnkey, it's definitely a lot easier. I've got, a buddy at work who actually, it's funny. I'm pretty well, there's 350 people that I work with at my station. And I mean, obviously I don't know all of them, but on my shift, there's like 40 of them, 40 people, 40 officers. And we have, I'm pretty well known for having my own properties that I invest and a lot of people are, that I invest with and a lot of people are interested and people always ask me about it. And when they find out about it, they, you know, they usually all get new people that ask me about it. People are always interested, but very, very, pretty much nobody ever goes through and actually takes the next step in the, you know, I've been at, I've been here, I've been a police officer seven years and I've been working with a lot of these people for most of that. And they, I'd say two people have actually taken the step and that next step. One of them was already investing. He was, he was investing kind of just at a pretty slow pace. And, and he and I, we were working together one day and we sat down and we looked at the numbers and, and I, and I showed him that if you diversify and if you keep buying properties, there's a level that you really have to get to where it'll start taking off. And he, the numbers really made sense for him. And, and he took off and ran with it way. You know, he had, to, I think he was already a little further ahead than me, but, but it really gave him that motivation to, to buy the next several properties. And he's, he's 
gone pretty far with that. And then the next person was actually the guy that I wasn't really, wouldn't have really expected, but he, he was looking for some investments and he uh, started talking to me about this and, and he's like, He's actually contacted you recently, and I think is starting the process from what I understand. But Actually, he's already been approved, and he's already looking at properties. So thank you so much, wow. Justin, for sending your client or your, your partner our way. Yeah, I mean, there's some really, really intelligent people that I, some of my friends that are really intelligent people that, that they really understand it, but they just don't take that step. And and it's kind of hard to, to break the status quo and take that step in life and, and start something new. It, it's a, it's really just, it takes a lot of effort to, to break out of your, your rut and do it. But once you, you just, you just have to do it. Yeah. Once you yeah. Do it, it'll get easier. I hear that all too often. <laughs> I hear that more times than not in a day. Uh, I hear that often. So that's yeah. some great words of wisdom, Justin, considering that you started in your 20s, you're now in your early 30s, you're working on property number four. And the fact that you're saying it takes a few hours out of your month, you need to be organized and you're working on your fourth property. I'd have to say that less than 1% of America actually does that. So you think outside the box, you've been thinking outside the box. And it's going to certainly set you apart. You're already set apart at the station. So that just goes to say, I think you're doing something right, Justin. <laughs> I hope so. Awesome. Awesome. So um, Justin, last words uh, of wisdom. What's something that you know now that you wish you would have known before you got started? <laughs> well, I know where my property line is and I wish I had known <laughs> that a couple of years ago. Um, but as far as advice before I got started, I would say that I, I think it just, like I was saying for the last question, it, it just takes that first step. Cause I mean, I was looking at this for a while before I, you know, I read that I read rich dad, poor dad when I was probably 21. I think I read it my senior year of college and I didn't start buying properties until 27, 28. And, and I think what was holding me back was I was, I mean, California is kind of a difficult place to not only invest in, but, but even just buy a property. And I was, I was waiting for my career to start and I was waiting for my, uh, I was waiting to buy my first, my, the house that I live in now. And it, it took, a I was kind of waiting for all my ducks to be in a row. And, and, you know, it, it took me four years to, to find a job as a police officer, not because I wasn't a good candidate, but just because I would get through the process and then they wouldn't hire any, they wouldn't be hiring anyone. And I would just time out on the list. And, and it's there's never going to be the perfect time to do something. You literally just have to do it. And there's no, absolutely no reason that I couldn't have been buying properties when I was 21, 22. And I mean, even if that meant I was still renting a room from someone somewhere, I still would likely be in a better spot than I am now. Not that I'm in a bad spot, but I'd be further along had I started earlier. It, right. Right. Yeah. I hear you. Buddy. I knew the information. I just didn't act on it. Yeah. You know, it's fear and it's very, very common. And let's just say it's never too late to get started. So I think your words of wisdom uh, are going to touch somebody out there and hopefully are going to make a difference for at least one person. 
Justin, thank you so much for taking time out of your crazy schedule, because I know you do work crazy hours, as most uh, police officers do. So thank you for serving our community. Thank you for your time, sir. And uh, for our audience, thank you for tuning in. I truly hope that uh, Justin's story was insightful for you. Whenever you're ready, here I am, and here's a way that I can help. Go to cashflowsavvy.com, and that is savvy with two Bs. Download the Frustrated Investor's Guide to Passive Income. Book a call with me, and I'll be more than happy to see how I can help you get out of the rat race. This is Mercedes Torres for Cashflow Savvy, brought to you by Epic Real Estate and Terio Media. See you next week. Does your money work for you as hard as you do for it? If not, no worries. You do not have a money problem. You merely have an idea problem. We're CashflowSavvy.com, and we'd like to share a new idea with you around income real estate that can transform your financial future and accelerate its arrival. Go to CashflowSavvy.com and download a free investor's package. CashflowSavvy.com. You do not have a money problem, merely an idea problem. CashflowSavvy.com. More ideas, less worries. CashflowSavvy.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.